We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 98. Our guest today is an amazing U25 dressage rider who has literally been riding since before she was born. Her mother is a professional dressage rider, and between the two of them, they are unstoppable. So I am so excited to welcome our guest today, Vanessa Creech Tarads. So tell me, I mean, I feel like I know the answer because I know your mom is a rider, but tell me a little bit about how you got into the equestrian world in the first place. Yes. Well, my mom definitely did have a big part to do with it. I always like to say I was riding before I was born because naturally when she was pregnant with me, she was still riding around on her horses. And we live on a small farm here in Canada. And so I started riding on this little mini named Kobe who would run around the ring like crazy, but he would never put his head down. So I never Mm. actually fell off him and I always (laughs) learned how to hang on. (laughs) So cute. So that was my first introduction into riding. And then, you know, through a couple other horses, I slowly learned a little bit more and more. And then in 2014, all my wildest dreams came true. And my mom's sponsor, Doug and Louise Leatherdale, decided to sponsor me with a horse, Rob Roy. And flew me over to Germany to try him. And I fell madly, madly in love. And that was probably the start of my big FEI, or the start of my FEI career. Amazing. From the beginning, was it always dressage for you? Were you contemplating dabbling in another discipline? Or was that that kind of the track that you wanted to go? Well, I think as many kids do, I did start with like a couple jumps, but mm-hmm. very, very small. And the one mare that we have here, I rode her over a jump and she, I think she could jump anything put in front of her, Yeah, but I can't. <laughs> so she over jumped it a little bit and I did end up falling off. And I think that was probably the end of it for me. I don't quite have good enough nerves to be going over big jumps like that. So from then on, I'm like, okay, no, I think I'll stick with the dressage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) moving on from the mini pony, then you moved up to what was your next mount after that? After our mini was the mare I was just talking about that loved to jump, but I did try to make her into a dressage horse. Her name (laughs) is Fair Lady. And uh, we still have her here on our farm today. She is 19, I believe. And, you know, she was one of those horses that you'd take her into the show ring and she'd scream her head off because (laughs) she didn't like being away from the herd. But, you know, I just kept riding, kept my position, you know, just pretend it's not going on. And I think that also taught me a lot about going in the ring and just faking it sometimes when you have to. (laughs) Yeah, totally. As you were growing up, were you trained by your mom or did you start working with other trainers? What did that kind of look like for you? Growing up, I was always with my mom, and the past two years is when I've started taking a couple lessons here and there, especially in Florida. There are so many great trainers that you have the opportunity to go and learn from, so I did take a couple lessons from Debbie McDonald and Shelly Francis, and so it's so amazing because there are so many different tools and techniques that all the other trainers have that 
you can incorporate into your own writing. And mm-hmm. so I find that very important that, you know, even though, yes, I love training with my mom and she's a big part of the reason I am the writer I am today. It's also important to just get information from the environment around you. And that's one of the great things about Florida is there's so much you can learn and so many people you can learn from. Totally. So growing up in that dynamic, did you find it a challenge as far as like schedule? Like, were you guys on the road? Were you showing a lot? Was your mom gone a lot? What was that kind of like for you? When I was really young, she was gone a lot showing and naturally she would go to Florida and I would have to stay home and go to Mm -hmm. school. And I was very jealous. (laughs) Yeah, it was even more, even more. So I feel like Florida was probably this like magical land for you. Yeah. (laughs) Which it (laughs) still is. It's, it's great. (laughs) So, you know, then slowly as I started getting older, I would be allowed to go for a week or two weeks. And then once I started into high school, I was able to do a lot of my classes online And as soon as I was allowed to do that, I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to buckle down. I'm really going to do this. And then I started going to Florida for the whole season and, or even, you know, going to horse shows, whatever. I was very self-motivated and got all my classes online or as many as I could Mm -hmm. and did it that way. And I really tried to make it work. And I'm not going to say it was the most fun having to leave the barn in the middle of the day to go do schoolwork, but you know, I guess it's something I, it is something that you have to do. And I, I definitely think it made me better for it. You know, just having that self-discipline that Mm -hmm. you can still go and focus on schoolwork and, and then go back to the barn and keep riding afterwards as a reward. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Once you started getting in the realm of doing U25 stuff, can you tell me a little bit about that process, about how you get to that level and qualify and compete in at that space? Yeah, so the U25 is definitely a big step up from the young riders. There's so much to learn. And I was very lucky that I was able to ride Devin L, who is also owned by Louise Leatherdale and was my mom's Grand Prix horse. And so he was a great schoolmaster, but he was also very hot. Like he was a very hot horse. So it was great that I was able to learn the Grand Prix movements on him. And so he was teaching me in that sense, but I also, I had to be a good enough rider. You know, he wasn't one that would just do it because I pushed the button. Like I really had to ride for it. And I'm very grateful for that because he taught me, you know, how to be a better U25 rider. Mm -hmm. And now onto the next Leatherdale horse, Hallmark, who was also one of my mom's previous Grand Prix horses. It's a little bit the same thing by him. He knows all the Grand Prix movements, which is great. And, but he also is, he requires a little bit of a sensitive rider. And so I have to, I have to be diplomatic with all of my aides and I have to really ride the best that I possibly can. And as I said before, U25 is a really big step up. So it's been a really big learning curve for me as a rider and as a person and Mm -hmm. keeping, you know, your emotions together in the saddle too, when something is, you know, harder to learn or, you know, it's not working out perfectly, but then, you know, just learning to decompress and try it again. And it's no big deal. And I think that's what U25 is a lot, especially for the young riders is, you know, trial and error, figuring it out. If you're lucky enough to have a horse that knows a little bit what it's doing, that helps a lot. And then because I've had those two great horses to learn on, I have been training and being able to learn from two horses and then take what I've learned and 
teach that to two other horses. So wow. it's, I've been very lucky to develop my learning in, in that way. Yeah. At what point did your, your mom and the Leatherdale's breeding program kind of start? Well, my mom and Doug and Louise Leatherdale have been working together. Oh my goodness. I don't know exactly how many years, but for <laughs> me, it feels like forever because yeah. I was very young. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say like easy over 20 years. They had their breeding program going before I started riding Rob Roy, which was 2014. Okay. And now Fleur de Liel and Harley Al are both homebreds cool. from Leatherdale Farms. So it's very special to work with homebreds from them and to be able to develop them up. Tell me a little bit about that process because as I, I told you before, I'm like, I have ridden a dressage horse one time and <laughs> it only took like literally one time for me to be like, Oh my gosh, you know, I was on like a schoolmaster. Things that this horse has to do with this body that you can like feel underneath you while you're riding him was absolutely incredible. Like it brought tears to my eyes, but <laughs> it made me appreciate dressage riders and trainers so much because I'm like that training process to get them to understand those movements and understand what you're asking them to do must be so extensive. Like, what is that process like? Well, you definitely have to have a lot of patience when you're teaching the younger ones up the levels. Yeah. And it helps so much when you have the opportunity to teach them for multiple years. That is one yeah. of the most amazing things about Louise Leatherdale is that, you know, we are allowed to ride these horses and that we actually really have a lot of time to develop a relationship and a partnership with them. And once they trust you and they really know that you're on their side, that makes a really big difference in the training. And so once you have that partnership and that relationship, then you figure out, okay, what works best for each horse and their personality naturally. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it just takes time. Every horse goes at their own pace. Every horse has their own strengths and weaknesses. And, but it, I can tell you it is the most rewarding feeling ever, you know, knowing that I did a line of ones and that when I first started riding Fleur, she did one change and now she's doing yeah. a line of 15, one tempies wow. or, you know, that Harley is piaffing and he never knew that before. And it, yeah. it really is the most rewarding feeling. I always come off the horse with a big smile on my face and say to yeah. my mom, that was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's so that it's it's unbelievable to feel. So I feel like having being a part of that entire process from start to finish must be one of the main reasons that you do this sport. Like it just must be so rewarding. Yes, definitely. And so you cool. you really get so proud of the horses themselves because you're so involved in their everyday lives and they really they're like family to you and yeah. So yeah, seeing them grow up it's yeah, it's very heartwarming. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And with a sport that's communication is such an important aspect. Like you, you seeing that firsthand of their like light bulb moment go off, like, Oh, I, f I get finally what you're asking me to do. And then yeah. they do it. That is so, so cool. When you have horses, you know, your young horses that you're bringing up and scoping out, do you ever have ones where you're like, I th actually think that you would make a better eventing horse or jumper, you know, something different. Like, do you have that happen occasionally? Well, personally for myself, I've only been working mainly with Leatherdale horses. Uh -huh. So, and they have fantastic ability for dressage because most, or the horses that I have been riding from their own stallions, they are 
fantastic dressage stallions. And so me personally, I have been working mainly just with dressage horses and yeah, I don't, honestly, I don't know how much more to answer that question. (laughs) So cool. What kind of traits, as far as your personal riding, do you look for that you feel like is a good, you know, kind of like fit for, for horse and rider for you personally? Well, I definitely love, like one of the things I love about certainly Al is that no matter what, she absolutely goes out there and tries with all her heart. Even if she doesn't totally understand what I'm asking of her, she still really is trying and she's trying to understand me and she's really working together with me. So another great quality that she has is that, so she has a great mind and she doesn't Mm -hmm. get you know, too freaked out about things, but she just has a little bit of extra spark when she's at a show, gets a little bit hot. And I think that's really fine, you know, that I can still work with that. And she still does focus really well. And I find that always really fantastic that you just have that extra edge when you go in the ring. And I, that's also showmanship, you know, for the horses and the rider as well. So when a horse really does enjoy showing and can perk up just that little bit extra when you go in the show ring, I think is a lot of fun too. Yeah, totally. On that note, what is your preparation process for getting your horses ready? You mentioned that a couple of them could get a little hot. I mean, obviously there's a part of that that is definitely beneficial to have in the ring. But then there's also a point where you're like, okay, the horse still needs to be manageable and listening and all of that. So what does the process kind of look like leading up to a show day that you are doing for your horses to get them ready? Well, I definitely love to have a very steady schedule because it helps me keep my nerves in check a little bit more. So especially I love to braid my my horses when we go out to show. So that really gives me a good 20 minutes to take deep breaths, go through my tests, connect with the horse again and, mm-hmm. you know, calm and collect all my thoughts. We also really enjoy putting on the magnetic blanket on them to warm their muscles up and give them a nice feeling before they go out into the ring. Cool. And each individual horse has their own warm up, So we always make sure that we give ourselves enough time that we go out and start warming up early enough so that we don't feel rushed or we don't have to cut anything because as soon as that starts happening, then the rider gets stressed and the horse can feel that and the horse Mm -hmm. gets stressed. And I think the horses also find a lot of stability in routine and that helps them a lot with their nerves as well. If they know, you know, this is my job, this is what we're doing, then it's not such a big deal when you go out into the ring. Let's talk about our sponsor today, Southride. Southride is for the adult Amy who hates hairnets, refuses to drop her stirrups, and is just trying to put a sequin on her hunter outfit. Part cowgirl, part preppy, Southride is a big, fun Southern anthem for horse-crazy folks who need that one more t-shirt. Visit southrideco.com to view current inventory of hats, tees, stickers, boot rags, and bandanas. Be on the lookout for new designs for the holidays. Follow them over on Instagram at SouthRideCo. Again, the website is SouthRideCo.com and head over to their Instagram at SouthRideCo. Thank you so much, SouthRide. All right, let's get back to the episode. 
So you've mentioned nerves. Do you feel like in certain venues or shows or, you know, different competitions that you get more nervous than other? Um, well, I definitely think that you at a championship or yeah. somewhere with a really big venue, then yes, I do get my little bit nerves more at Nations uh-huh. Cup, you know, in Florida. That's always very exciting. But I think for me now, because I have been showing for a while and done a couple of championships that I'm much better at containing my nerves and that I'm actually able to use them a little bit more for me. And yeah. they're more nerves of really excitement. And, you know, I can't wait to go out there rather than nerves of, oh, what if I mess up or what if I make a mistake? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because I, I think I've learned now that yes, mistakes are always possible. And if you go out there, you know, you're going for your championship and it's going to be a great day, great ride. If you have a mistake, well, you know, life still goes on and what are you going to do? There's really no point in being that nervous about it because mm-hmm. you can't change it beforehand anyway. So right. I think it's, it's important that, you know, rather than being so nervous, what if I mess up, then be excited or mm-hmm. prepare. And, you know, I've done all my homework and I know this horse and I love this horse and let's go show them what we can do and really mm-hmm. try to turn it into a positive spin. And I think that's really important to do with your nerves. And my mom always said like, you know, it's good that you have butterflies in your stomach. That means you're alive. So yeah. oh, that's go a good be point. alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. Obviously this year is different than any other year we've experienced, but what is your um, normal kind of show schedule look like? How often are you on the road now? So yeah, we spend always the winters down in Florida. So we mm-hmm. leave right after Christmas so that we can spend Christmas with our family here and then go until mid-April. So we usually do all 12 shows in Florida, um, just switching out which horses that we show each Mm. weekend. And so that's naturally extremely busy, but extremely fun. And then when we come back, there are usually a couple shows in Canada from, they start in May and go until July. And then we enjoy going to Dressage at Devon in September. So we go there and I would say there's probably five shows that we do throughout the summer, which is nice too. And then the horses have a couple months, a little bit easier before we head out to Florida again. Cool. Awesome. And when you're in Florida, how are they competing every weekend? Would you have like a couple weeks off or one like, like different schedule as far as giving them time off? What does that kind of look like for you? Well, we definitely try to plan as best we can what shows each horse goes to so that we don't overwork them and overshow them. Mm-hmm. So we really, planning is one of our best best options that we can do, but naturally things always change. Right. We don't show every horse every weekend. You know, we really try to mix it up, give them two weekend, two, three weekends in between and before we show them again and because the Leatherdale group that we have, we have seven horses. So we are able to, you know, take different ones every weekend and sure. give the other guys, a, you know, the weekend off. And it's really nice, the place that we're at in Florida, Palm Beach Sports Complex, owned by Amy Swordlin mm. and her husband. They have a gorgeous racetrack that we can hack around. Oh, and nice. It's, you know, wonderful to do hacking with them during the week, too, even for their brains to see different things. and. Yeah garbage trucks and water trucks and birds and everything you know it's it's great mental stimulation for them even if it's not the physical workout it's still a mental workout absolutely so and that's how we try to keep them fit physically Mm -hmm. and mentally 
Yeah, exactly. Let's say you're in Florida in the winter leading up to, you know, a show day. What are the days leading up looking like for you? What are some of your like favorite exercises that you like doing with your horses? What are some things that you do personally to prepare? What does that um, schedule look like? Well, we like breaking down the tests for the horses so that Mm -hmm. They can become a little bit more familiar with the pattern before we go into the ring. So, you know, one day we might do the trot tour and the next day we'll do the canter. And we try not to pile it all on them at once so that Uh it's not too too much for them to do before the show. And we also make sure that, you know, the weekend before they, they still relax and they hand walk and they, you know, go on the treadmill and graze and really, you know, just no pressure. And then the week leading up to the show, we try to pace ourselves. There's because we don't need to win the class on Monday, right? Like we're showing on Friday. So we, you know, leading up to the show, we don't overwork them. You know, we take it still easy the Monday, Tuesday. And then once Mm -hmm. we move into the show, then we start putting a little bit more game faces on, but it's also, you know, all your training is done at home. And when you get to the show, you can only hope that all your training has paid off and that the horse still knows what they're doing. And mentally for me, I love taking the the breaks and the time to hand walk them and graze and mm-hmm. just spending as much personal time with them as I can, because I think that only strengthens your relationship and partnership with them. And it makes you feel more confident going into the show ring yeah. later that week. Gotcha. Do you have a part of a test where you're like, you're, this is my favorite part. I love it. We're going to kill this part. And then do you have parts where you're like, okay, come on. I really hope this works out in my favor. <laughs> what, what is that um, kind of mindset like? Yeah, definitely. It is a little bit horse by horse, but I think for me, I, I really love doing tempies, mm-hmm. you know, they, and keeping them straight and forward. And again, by every horse, you have to ride them so differently that, yeah. you know, you keep them a little bit more back or forward or, you know, keeping them together. I find that a lot of fun. And I'm, there's also nothing than a better feeling of a pirouette that works out really well. (laughs) And so that's a lot of fun for me. I do find funny enough, keeping the, the walk, the, or walk pirouettes were always one of the hardest things for me to learn Mm. because there's so many components that you have to do at the same time and keeping the walk in a steady rhythm and, you know, keeping both reins, both legs, bending everything. You know, when I was learning that movement, it was, it was very difficult for me and Mm -hmm. it's good. And it definitely helped me for my training for my canter pirouettes now. But that was always something that I was like, oh man, this test has walk pirouettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I, I think I've a little bit gotten better at it now and, mm-hmm. and like to think that I'm a better, better at riding in them now. So I guess all of that was worth it. Yeah, totally. What um, advice would you give a rider who is looking to continue to bump up their overall scores and, and get to the next level in their riding and their you know, overall performance? I think it's really important that you do your homework before a show, you know, that you really do plan everything out, take your time, do the training, Mm -hmm. you know, work hard. I mean, I know this is all things that everybody has probably said before, you know, at the end of the day, you really hard work. Oh, sorry. How does that saying go again? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is 
so true. You know, if you put in the work and you put in the effort, then you're going to see the difference in your scores. And, you know, at the end of the day, as I said earlier, if it doesn't work out, well, you know, that's life. Take that as learning experience and grow from it instead of being too negative on yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, grow from it, learn from it, put it into your next test that you know, okay, this is what I have to change and you're going to really make a difference. Absolutely. What would you say is an area of the equestrian industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? For me personally, just being, so I'm only 20 and I never really thought that I would start teaching already at yeah. uh, such a young age. And so I have, I have a couple clients here in Canada that I'm teaching and it is one of the most educational and fun and rewarding thing that I ever could have imagined. You know, I was very nervous to start teaching. I started teaching two years ago, actually. So when I was 18 and I was, you know, thinking to myself like, Oh, who wants to take a lesson from an 18 year old, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And, but I did have lots of experience at that point still. And I started then with just two clients and I am still teaching them to this day. And I absolutely love it. Every time I come back from teaching, you know, I, talk to my mom and I'm like, wow, you know, she did this way better today or this, you know, we were working on, or there was this breakthrough. And it's, again, it's so rewarding. And me as a rider, I learned from it because, you know, it's one thing to be able to, to ride it and feel it, but it's another thing to be able to put it into words. And that's always been something that has been a little bit harder for me that I can feel something when I'm riding, but actually being able to explain step by step, Mm -hmm. you know, what it was or explaining to someone else so that they can do it, I find very difficult. So I'm very grateful that I have these opportunities to teach these people at home here. And they are so incredibly supportive too. I really have to say I have the best clients in the world right now. Mm. And, you know, every day I come back with a smile on my face and I'm excited to go teach them next week again. And I think that's really important too, that, you know, young riders starting out, you know, once you have a little bit experience on your, on your belt, then go out and, you know, really try to immerse yourself into teaching and because it's going to make you better as a rider and it helps your confidence. I was, like I said earlier, I was very self-conscious about my teaching before and you just have to go out there and, you know, if you fake it for the first couple lessons and then, you know, you start to really build up on it and, and you get much more confident and have a lot of fun with it. So I think that is really something that young riders should try to immerse themselves in a little bit more. Yeah, that is such a good point. And I know for me personally, um, always thought I'm like, oh, I want to ride. I want to ride. I want to ride. Like never thought that I was going to be training and never, never thought that I was the right personality for it or that I'd be any good at it. And then Mm -hmm. I started and it's like, oh my gosh, this is so fun and so rewarding. And especially, you know, like the beginner riders and maybe it's their first time on, or for me, the first time doing like a little cross rail course. And it is, it is so cool and exactly what you were saying it really improved my riding because it made me think in that other dimension of not just doing it but talking through the process of what I do and I think that that you know just being on the ground watching more as well as instead of just being in the saddle too there there there's so many important aspects to teaching definitely and I mean here where 
very lucky. So I just got my competition coach specialist certification. So our federation has a program that helps you and develops you up to become a certified trainer as well. So I think that's fantastic too. So you have to, for the certificate that I got, you have to have been teaching for two years. So, you know, it it makes you go out and get real world experience. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there is also some paperwork side because there always is and, you know, planning and everything. And that's again, so good and was great for me to go through that process and get certified. And, and I think it, it really is worth it for people to do. Absolutely. What do, are some things that you have looking to look forward to in the upcoming year or so as far as any events or, or competitions go? Well, I think right now with COVID, naturally everything is a little unsure, yeah. <laughs> but I'm so excited about the group of horses that from the Leatherdales that we have right now. Yeah. Certainly Al and Harley Al have both made huge steps up to the U25 and are really getting more confident in their movements and, oh. you know, in doing everything with such focus and confidence and it's getting better and better and same with my riding on Hallmark you know in the U25 it's I'm getting better I'm Mm -hmm. understanding him more he's understanding me more so I think personally I'm really just excited to go out and and show them anywhere you know and just to be able to put all of our learning and training into a show ring so we actually do have a show next weekend and I'll be taking Hallmark and Harley and it'll be the first time Harley does the U25 test and the first time that Hallmark and I are going to go through the Grand Prix test the big big Grand Prix so I'm just I'm just excited to get out there and show again and see what we've learned and and see what else you know we have to improve on and keep going and learning and training. Amazing. Well, that is awesome. I just wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. And I am so excited to hear how that goes, but I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. I had a lot of fun being here. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.